One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze. Relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Etchman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters, and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs, or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. Welcome, everyone. This week, we are talking about what you should do before you start investing, including paying off high interest debt, having an emergency fund, setting goals, and figuring out how much you can invest. But before we get started, we always kick it off with our weekly money win or loss. Tash, you want to start? Yes. Last week, I said that I was going to automate my credit card, but I unfortunately did not automate my credit card. I just completely forgot about it. I know that I often procrastinate things when I don't know exactly what the next steps are. So I've decided today I will look it up and do it properly and I will have it done for the next episode. That's what I've decided. That's okay. No one's judging you. (laughs) Yes. No, but I said I would. I hate saying I would do things and not doing them. So I will do the thing this time. But I did also get my notification that my ATO balance is officially at zero. So that's very fun and exciting. Woo, win. Did you end up automating your water bill? I did. Right before I jumped on my call with you, Tash, I uh, quickly went to go automate my water bill. And to my surprise, I realized that it was already automated. Oh. So I I thought I didn't automate it, but I actually did automate it. So thank you, past self, for setting up future self. Um, Now I don't have to worry about that water bill. Yeah. It's a good reminder to have a friend who can keep you accountable for stuff like this. Tell people you'll do the things and then you'll feel bad when you don't or you'll do them. Yeah, I'm not I'm not judging you for your credit uh, I'm just credit judging card. myself. <laughs> yeah. But I do love that, you know, having an accountability buddy. So I, I appreciate that we can, we can uh, keep ourselves accountable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's get started. Uh, this episode, we're going to talk about four main areas you should look at before investing. And the first is paying off high interest debt, also known as credit card debt or car loans or personal loans or consumer debt. They're all usually high interest debt. And the average interest rate for credit card debt is 19.94%, and a personal loan is 10.02%, which is really high. That's very high. Um, let's say you have a $100 debt. 
In 10 years, the interest would be $623. After 20 years, it would be $5,121. In 30 years, it'd be just over $37,000. And in 40 years, it'd be $272,464. That's insane. So that $100 debt goes from $600 to $5,000 to $37,000 to $272,000 just from you not paying it off. Mm Mm-hmm. It's insane. Wow. And that amount is compounded monthly at 19.94% annually. That's all on that $100 debt. Crazy. Australians have accrued a whopping $17.73 billion on credit card debt in March 2023. That is huge. My credit card interest rate is actually around 21%, so higher than the example we just gave. Most credit card interest is actually compounded daily as well, meaning this will be even higher. Compound interest is magical when investing, but it can be detrimental when you are paying it, not earning it. Paying off your high interest debt can be a guaranteed return. So this means if you pay it off, um, you won't pay the high interest rate, such as the 10 to 19%, saving yourself that amount. And it's a guaranteed return for you. So compared to investing, where we just aim for a certain return, but nothing is actually guaranteed. For example, if you've got a $100 debt at a 10% interest rate and you can pay it off before interest is added, you can save $10. If you invest this $100, you may make 7% in a year, but you also might lose 20% because the stock market is so volatile. And with investing income, you also need to consider the tax you will pay on your earnings. Tash, when you say high interest debt, does this include mortgages? Not all debts are equal. Some debts like personal loans, which is sometimes also referred to as consumer debts, are different to mortgages. This is because often personal loans are for depreciating assets, which are things that go down in value. Whereas mortgage debt is a debt on an asset that is appreciating, which means it usually goes up in value over time. A holiday to Greece three years ago isn't making you any money, whereas a mortgage is hopefully going to help you grow your wealth or give you a place to live in. This is why some people are paying off their mortgage instead of investing while interest rates are higher. With something like a mortgage at 6%, it's a harder decision to decide whether to invest or pay it off because the S&P 500 has averaged 7.33% over the last 20 years. The S&P 500 is one of the main benchmarks when it comes to investing. It is the top 500 companies in the US. But the higher the interest debt, it makes it a clear winner what will be more beneficial. You can look at your HEX help debt in a similar way to a mortgage in terms of the math, but there are a few more considerations with HEX. Um, HEX help is just Australia's student loan system. This year, HEX is indexed at 7.1%, which is a high interest rate than most mortgages and savings accounts at the moment. But there are other special considerations with HEX. You only have to make compulsory repayments when your income is above $48,000 and you can't get your repayments back if something goes wrong. As of March 2023, the credit default risk of Australian consumers has risen over 8% this year. This is due to increases in interest rates, rising cost of consumer goods and higher rental prices. Uh, Do you have any debt stash? Yes and no. Yes. I have a credit card that I pay off each month, so I never pay interest on that. So I guess it's kind of a debt while it's there, but I don't really think of it as a debt too much. But I also have my fixed rate mortgage. So I just pay the minimum on that every week. I've never had a personal loan or a car loan or anything like that though. What about you? I also have a credit card, but pay it off. So I avoid that interest. I did get a personal loan in my twenties because Mm. I don't know what it's like here in Australia, but in Canada, you know, if you're really good with your money, they entice you with, with, uh, with debt or, you know, giving you a loan. Oh, great. You're doing too well. Here's a personal loan. 
Yeah. So I, th- I think at the time it was $10,000, which was a lot. I don't even think I had savings of that at that time. Maybe I did. I don't think so. But anyhow, it just sat there and I thought, hey, in case of an emergency, I'm going to go travel and a personal loan is good because the interest rate is much lower than a credit card. So I thought it was good to keep it open. And the bank told me it was good to keep it open because it will improve my credit rating. And I oh. had no clue what that meant at that time. Um, so we just sat there and I think I casually mentioned it to my mom. Um, cause I, I think we've talked about this. We're both avid travelers. I was going to go on a trip and I said, Hey, in case I need to dip into, you know, my loan, I'll use my personal loan. And my mother was like, what, why do you have a personal loan? Do not use that. Close that. Um, it is not an emergency fund. So I never ended up using it and eventually closed it. So that was, that's my story with that. Luckily, I was in the clear and had very great guidance from my mom. And I also um, have a mortgage debt that I'm dealing with as well. So that's my story. Yes. It's really scary with personal loans because I guess when you're just looking at it, you're like, oh, what's seven or 9% really? But until you go and do the compound interest calculator and you realize how much it actually adds up to, it can be a lot more than you realize. It really does. And I don't know what it's like here, but in Canada, when you start university, they have like a welcome week and they have lots of companies that come out and banks are some of the biggest companies that come out trying to entice you to sign up to their credit card by, you know, giving you a free iPad or some kind of magical things to be in a draw for something. And the big pitch is that if you have a credit card, you are starting to build your, your credit rating. And this is very good for the future. And if you have no clue and you just started university and you've never learned about compound interest or saving or emergency funds, um, you think, well, this is what everyone else is doing. So I'll just sign up and it just snowballs from there. Yeah, that's terrifying. They're allowed to do that in Canada. I'm glad we have kind of different rules here. Yeah. I hear it's the same in the States, but yeah. Yeah. Also with your credit score in Australia anyway, you don't need a credit card to build a credit score. You can get a credit score just from paying off your phone bills or your power bills or being on a lease for an apartment or something like that. So you don't need a credit card. That's a big, big myth here. That's a good thing to know because I don't think a lot of people know that. And um, yeah, I think we see all the news from the US where people are talking about building their credit scores, but it doesn't really have as big of an impact in Australia as it does in the US. And in fact, something that I realized when um, I was getting a mortgage for my house, they asked me to close all my credit cards so that I had a larger borrowing power. Whereas in in Canada, and I believe in the US, they don't ask you to do that. So just a slightly different system here in Australia, which is good to know. Yeah. And without credit scores as well, like you have a good credit score or you have a terrible credit score, but you don't get different interest rates depending on your credit score. But I know in the US, you need a really good credit score to get really good interest rates, which is absolutely terrifying, but luckily a different system in Australia. So what's the next thing we need to consider? The next thing is saving an emergency fund. An emergency fund is exactly that, a fund for emergencies. It's an amount of money that you have saved for an emergency, such as loss of job, car repairs, or if your roof caves in. This is crucial to have before starting to invest since it's ensuring you have backup money in case anything happens. With investing, the markets can fluctuate and you don't ever want to be in a situation where you need to sell your investments in order to get out of an emergency. Not only that, but there are tax implications when you sell your investments. So ensuring that you have all of the information before making that decision can be really helpful. You only actually lose money investing when you sell your investments when the market is down. So avoiding this is the key to making money with long-term investing. So how much do you need in an emergency fund? A general rule of thumb is having three to six months of living expenses. But there are a few things you should consider which might change that amount, such as do you have dependents? Do you have a property that may need 
an emergency repair? Is your job secure? And how long would it take you to find a new one? Do you have other income that can help you get through this emergency? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Are you going on parental leave or planning to have kids? Is your family interstate or overseas and you need to consider flight costs? And do you have insurance? A uni student, for example, living at home with minimal bills will need a very different emergency fund compared to a single income household with children who have family living overseas. Surely you have an emergency fund, Anna? Yeah, I'm all of that. I'm a single income household with children and have family overseas. Um, usually we're both working, but currently I am still on parental leave. So we do have an emergency fund and it lives in our offset. So we're kind of double whamming here. We're reducing our interest rate, so which we kind of talked about before. And in the case of an emergency, we can we can use that as well. So we have over a year of uh, savings there for an emergency. Oh, awesome. But that's also because we are, you know, trying to pay off our mortgage and putting yeah. in an offset. So it's it's a double whammy. Yeah, it's good. Uh, what about you? I used to have a combined like emergency buffer fund of around $20,000. And I just like the mental security of having that there. Um, but now I've just got $5,000. And one of the main reasons was I wanted to pay off my ATO bill, but I also don't need that much in cash sitting around either. Um, so I'll probably build it back up to around $10,000 and leave it at that. But right now I don't have, like, I don't have kids. I don't have like lots of overheads at the moment. So I don't need that much money just sitting there. It's really interesting because as your life changes, that amount will change as well, right? Because I didn't have that much sitting in an offset before. It was very different when I was single, no dependents, no partner. Um, there were other considerations, right? Like if I lost my job. <laughs> There's no one to support me as well, but um, the costs weren't as high. Yeah, I think there's another thing as well as I know in the back of my mind, no matter what happens, I can take a lot of risks because I can rely on my family if I need. I was having a discussion with a friend about this recently because she doesn't have that. And she was saying it's a lot more terrifying for her because there is no backup plan where in the back of my head, I know that there will be people around to help me. And I'm not going to rely on that and like plan that in my future, but I do know that that's there if I need it. Now let's talk about setting goals. Episode one focused on knowing your why because it is really important. Shares are a great long-term investment, so seven or more years, but it's often not the best investment for shorter-term goals like going on a holiday or saving for a wedding in the next few years. Investing is also such a long journey and knowing why you're investing helps with motivation. Investing itself may not be as motivating as investing for something like financial freedom so that you can be work optional at 35 or can leave a toxic environment or just have the freedom to choose your future goals. Or let's say you want to buy a house and you need to save $50,000 in five years for a deposit. 
Breaking this down into actionable steps makes it a lot easier than endlessly saving or investing forever. Go back to episode two to learn more about the different types of investments and what each might be suitable for. So now we're going to talk about the fourth step, which is figuring out how much you can invest. How much you can invest really comes down to understanding your cash flow. This is important to know before you start investing because you want to know how much you can invest each week, month, or year, and knowing that will determine which platform is best for you to use. This will also help you know how much money you can invest at a time as you don't want to overinvest and not have enough money for your expenses. You can do this by tracking your spending and knowing where your money goes. Or you can also create a budget and allocate money for expenses and investing. The goal is to know how much money you can put aside for investing. It's important to be realistic and not restrictive. Investing is a long-term game and you don't want to set yourself up for failure. So personal finance is like diet and exercise. You need to build healthy, long-term, sustainable habits. Remember that long-term investing allows for you to ride out any market volatility, so it's advisable that any money used for investing is seven-plus years, as Tash mentioned. Hence, any money you invest shouldn't be, you know, accessed for any short-term goals or emergencies. We got some responses from the Get Rich Slow Club Instagram when we asked our community what other things they did before they started investing. So one of them was pay off consumer debt, including buy now, pay later. So paying off high interest debt is important before investing, as we mentioned at the start of the episode. But buy now, pay later, like afterpay, is an interesting one because there technically is no interest. I know some people use afterpay to make the most of their money, but I think it can be a slippery slope for most. Having good money habits is really important before starting to invest, so it's a good idea to get out of the habit of using any tool like afterpay or a credit card if you don't actually have the money to pay it off instantly. Have you ever used a buy now, pay later product? I used Afterpay once because I got 30% off by having an Afterpay account. So I used it, got the 30% off and then closed it down instantly. But other than that, no. Have you? It's so tempt. It's so tempting. No, I haven't. But I always see the price seems so little when it's four payments of such and such. Their marketing is very good. And, I hate um, their marketing. No, I have I, <laughs> like, I hate, oh, I hate buy now, pay later so much how they market to people. So I could never use it properly just out of principle because I hate on them so much. But sometimes when they've got a sale, I'm like, Ooh, that got me in, I guess. Yeah. It, at my old job, we talked about the ethics of including buy now, pay later products or credit cards and, wh- and what that means. But ultimately, if you increase sales by having some of the stuff, you realize why companies use these products on their platform. So it's just a, a thing that I think about from that tech perspective, you know, like if you want to acquire more customers, making it as easy as possible makes sense. But then if you are the consumer, you need to be really aware of these products because they can get you into a lot of trouble if you're not paying them off um, all mm-hmm. the time. Definitely. So the second community response we got was write down your intentions. And this goes back to knowing your why. Knowing what your intentions are when it comes to investing and what your goals are will help you be successful as this is a long-term habit you are trying to build. The third response was to do lots of research. Research is great as it will make you feel more comfortable about the risk of investing. However, there is a thing called analysis paralysis and you also need to learn by doing. So doing research, such as listening to our first 10 episodes, but then actually starting is crucial. So we're basically at the end of this episode, but you know, before we end, we always try to have some actions of the week. Uh, the first one, if you haven't started investing yet, get started on these four steps. Pay off high interest debt, have an emergency fund, set goals, and figure out how much you can invest. And the second action of the week is if you are already investing, then send this episode to a friend to help them out on their journey. 
And my action of the week, I'm going to automate my credit card payments. I'm going to actually do that one. Oh, good. Yeah. Because you don't want to accidentally slip up, forget, and then not pay. Yeah. And then end up with a huge interest rate. Yeah. Because the first time that happened to me, I felt so devastated because I forgot because I didn't automate it. And I was like, no, I've been so good. So... It is, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you next week if if you automated that. I have to do it now. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Well, thanks everyone. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative, 12-99881 of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367, and Perla, who is an authorized representative, 128-1540 of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.